Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast, bringing you fun and soulful interviews with spiritual teachers with the aim of tuning you in and lighting you up with your host, George Lizos. Although witchcraft is becoming increasingly popular in the spiritual community and in mainstream society as well, there is still a lot of misunderstanding as to what being a witch means. In this episode, I invited Chaos Witch Jess Carlson to bust myths about witchcraft, to break down the way it works in an easy and practical way, and also to introduce chaos magic, 
which is in my opinion a very practical way of practicing witchcraft. Specifically, in this episode you're going to learn what is magic, what can we use magic for, what's chaos magic and how it's different from other types of witchcraft, you're going to learn whether we can all practice witchcraft or whether we have to be born into it, we'll discuss the boundaries between white and black magic and whether there's a grey area, and finally the first steps that someone should take to start practicing witchcraft. If you want to join me live for one of the recordings of the Lit Up Lightworker podcast, be sure to follow me on Instagram at George Lizos and also join my two Facebook groups, Your Spiritual Toolkit and Elemental Communication. Enjoy this episode with Jess Carlson. I'm so excited to have here with me Jess Carlson. Jess Carlson is a chaos witch, intuitive tarot and oracle reader, writer and magical teacher focused on spreading the power and simplicity of magic. Jess is known for keeping her teachings and guidance practical and approachable so everyone can gain something from her magic and reconnect with their inner witch. She was voted Witch Way Magazine's favorite witchcraft blog and witch teacher for 2018. Thanks to the wonderful community that has connected to her work. Jess, welcome to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Hello, thank you. <laughs> so, I want to start from the beginning. Before we mm -hmm. go into chaos magic, before we go into magic in general, what has been your path to becoming a witch, to finding out about witchcraft? What has been your hero's journey, in other words? Well, I grew up in Connecticut, so I grew up in New England, so I was kind of growing up around the history of witchcraft in a sense because of the witch trials in Salem, and actually the first um, witch execution in New England happened in Connecticut. It wasn't in, in Salem, it actually happened way earlier. So I grew up with this kind of undertone of that, um, going on all these field trips to Salem and stuff as a kid. and. So I was always kind of aware that it was a thing. And then when I was about eight years old, I was a very, as a child, very like avid reader and just kind of blew through everything. And I quickly learned as a child that fiction bored me. I didn't really care about stories. I wanted to learn things very much into like wanting to learn. So um, I quickly found that I could kind of like veer off in the library to the nonfiction section and find really interesting stuff. And that was where I first found witchcraft as a modern practice. It's where I discovered tarot um, when I was eight. And that was the first thing that kind of got me on that path. I got my first deck from my grandmother as a please stop playing with my poker cards gift um, <laughs> when I was 10. And, um, and then it just kind of took off from there. And so I started practicing witchcraft as like, a, you know, in a self-dedicated uh, ritual form uh, when I was 13. So um, it just kind of was something that, you know, my, my parents aren't religious, but because I do come from um, a mostly Italian uh, and Catholic family, I was kind of uh, forced into the whole go to your CCD classes, make your confirmation, all that stuff, because my great grandmother was still alive. And had I not done that, it would have been an unending problem for my mother. So, um, but my parents aren't religious. My dad didn't really care. My mom actually was kind of like all, all about it. Like she was like, oh, that's really interesting. And so 
if I would read a book on witchcraft or Wicca, she'd read it too. Mm. And um, so she was very supportive. My dad was like, eh, you know, as long as no one's getting killed, you know, that's cool. And, um, you know, but I, I went through the whole church thing because of my great grandmother still being around. And so when I made my confirmation at 16, I'd already been practicing solitary Wicca for three years. So that was fun. Um, but that was just kind of the path that led me there. It was going to the library and not wanting to read any more Sweet Valley High books and like looking for something else to do. <laughs> so that, that that's so interesting. <laughs> that is so interesting because I mean, many light workers and spiritual seekers that I talk with, they had a similar uh, journey in the sense that they were brought up under their parents' belief systems and then eventually had this unexplainable calling that led them on to developing their own path. And it was so great that you had a supporting family that allowed you to, um, to, to do what you wanted to do, basically, and supported that decision of yours. So well, what's interesting, here's what's really yeah. interesting. I just want to throw this out there for yeah. anyone who's like, oh, I, I, you know, I want to do this, but I have to go to church or whatever. If you're Catholic or being raised Catholic, one thing that I learned very quickly when I really got into learning witchcraft is that if you have to be a secret witch in any religion, Catholicism is for you because that's like the most witchy religion out there. It's just so full, everything that's happening. Now, when I look back on it as an adult who's been doing this for 30 years, it's like, holy crap. It's just like witchcraft approved by the church. Like that's really, there's so much magic in Catholicism. So I always tell my husband, if we ever have to live anywhere where I have to hide my practices and beliefs, I'll just say I'm Catholic because that's easy enough. So. I find that so interesting because I grew up in Cyprus, which is a primarily Orthodox Christian mm -hmm. um, society. And I, I was brought up Orthodox Christian and I was deep into the religion myself up until I started reading Harry Potter, which I loved. And that, that's what got me actually into, into spirituality. And then the, the Orthodox Christian church created like a whole propaganda against Harry Potter, just saying that Harry Potter is luring children into the devil and Satanism and then <laughs> witchcraft and I'm like, and now like in retrospect, like comparing what I've learned about spirituality and magic and then seeing how they like Christian church performs their rituals. I'm like, it's not so different from the pagan rituals that I do. They mm -hmm. have an altar and they set up different like saints and they, yep. and they, I don't know, praise them or something. So I don't really get the difference. So, but it's interesting that uh, we are, we're, we're seeing things like the world is seeing the same thing from two different perspectives, seemingly contrasting perspectives. But when you really look at the basis of it, there is so much uh, commonalities. Yeah. Now you mentioned you started with Wiccan and now you're a, a chaos magic. So let's get into witchcraft in general. First of all, could you tell us the difference between magic with a CK and magic with a C. The difference is that magic with a CK is just a spelling differentiation to uh, kind of separate it from stage magic or illusionary magic. So um, Alistair Coley gets uh, attributed with that um, differentiation in his writings and it just kind of carried on. And, uh, and that's just now, and, and today you see some people don't like that. They feel it's a little archaic and they, so they don't use it. I use it. It's hard for me not to. I actually find I have to force myself to not use the K. But, um, you know, I just, I've always kind of, you know, quote, grown up, you know, as a witch thinking like, oh, you know, if it's got a K, it's for me, you know? So, yeah. so I just always kind of, I use the K, but that's, that's the difference. Yeah, but in essence, yeah, it is the difference between stage magic and then practicing yeah. witchcraft, which, what is 
witchcraft for those of you who don't know? Well, this gets a little tricky. And so I have to kind of preface all of this with this is my answer to these questions, because you mm -hmm. can ask 10 witches this question, you're going to get 20 different answers. So, so for me, the way that I look at magic and working with witchcraft is I kind of uh, kind of go along with Alistair Coley's idea of it being the science and the art of creating change in accordance with will. But when Crowley talks about will, and he says, um, he uses it capitalized as big, there's big W and little W. Big W, which is what he means when he's talking about magic, um, that's your quote, true will. That's what he defined as being your, um, you know, your purpose or your destiny, like, you know, the thing that, you, that you're here for. And so the way that I see magic along with that is that working any magic that is going to help lead you to your true will, that is going to fulfill the steps that you need to do what you're here to do, to keep you in alignment with uh, the universe and nature and all that, that's, that's the magic you wanna do. And so magic that kind of doesn't do that and that either diverts you away from those things or mm. you know, could take away from it is magic that you should kind of question whether or not you should do it. Mm. And, and with magic, there's always a way, like you can have an idea of wanting to do something and realize maybe this isn't the right approach and you can always twist things around. There's like 10 ways to do one Thing. So, you know, it's, but it is all about actually creating the change, but here's what's important. And this is where we differentiate a little bit of that stage magic or movie magic from real magic. It's not about creating supernatural change outside of yourself. It's not about manifesting in front of you that car you want or something, or, you know, Leviosa and all of a sudden, you know, like things are flying <laughs> around you. That's not what it's about. What it's about is it's changing you and changing your energy and your perception and your mindset in order to bring you into alignment with those things because what you see and what you believe is going to create that world around you. So when you do magic and it changes you, changes your vibration and changes what is attracted or repelled from you. And then that's how you come into alignment with the thing that you're after. So, um, so all magic is about change, but it's about changing you, not trying to really change things outside of yourself, because that is kind of like futile work most of the time. Mm. So what I'm hearing is that basically magic is a very focused, practical way of using the law of attraction to create a reality. Isn't that what it is? In a lot of ways, because law of attraction is actually, um, it's so funny because, you know, of course, most people today know it thanks to Oprah and The Secret, but law of attraction is a very uh, ancient principle. It's mm. one of the universal laws. and you know, it is this idea that, you know, like is going to attract like, and if you are focused on what it is that you want, and you're making everything around you also be focused on that thing, there's really no way you cannot eventually meet up with it, because mm. you're putting yourself in that path. Um, the use of like witchcraft doing a spell specifically, like doing a candle spell or, or you know, burning things, whatever, the idea is that the uh, the energies of those tools and those ingredients, they should also be aligned with that. So you're kind of bringing that energy into it too. So when you have that energy, your focus, and then it's all kind of going out into like this beam into the universe towards what you want, that's how, that's how you end up getting there, so. Okay, I have a follow-up question on this one. So there are different schools of magic. Mm -hmm. Some people choose to practice in a specific school like you do, other people just do their own thing, for example, I started from, from Wicca as well, and I experimented with magic, but now what I do is like a combination of, uh, of, of different modalities where I use different um, like 
statues and symbolism and candles and I make up my own what I call manifestation rituals where I bring elements together. I set my intention, I light up the candles, I do some mudras and maybe some mantras and I write out down some stuff and that, that works for me. Could that also be considered magic or does oh, yeah. it have to be within the constraints of a school? No, that's still magic. I mean, a lot of people are working magic without calling it that, you know, yes. and that's fine. You know, you call it what you're comfortable with. Um, but like what you're talking about is probably one of the most common ways that people, you know, I, I find end up like that's where they end up. They might start mm. with a very defined tradition or in a very, you know, very specific, uh, you know, with a very specific path with this is how you do this and this is how you do that. And eventually it kind of becomes too constrictive or your beliefs change. And so you kind of walk away from that and then you go to something else. And I find that a lot of people that, that are more like working with magic and spirituality in a very sort of free form way are, have already been through like five or six other yeah. things. And now they're just like, you know, this really isn't working. Let's try the next thing and the next thing. And then eventually realize, you know what? I can just make my own <laughs> tradition because you totally can. So you know, it's still, it's still magic. I feel like if you're doing stuff with intention and you're bringing together resources and you're focusing it and you're putting it out there, to me, that's magic. So meditation is magic. Affirmations are magic. Uh, I love using mantras. I, I do a lot of mantra work. So mantras magic to me. So it's all magic. That is so freeing. Thank you so much for this distinction. Okay. Now let's talk about chaos magic. Now, I first heard about chaos magic in my previous work, my, one of my colleagues, I asked him what his spirituality was all about. And he's like, well, I mean, I practice chaos magic. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> I had zero idea. He explained to me, I still didn't understand. <laughs> I Googled it like before our interview, I still can understand. So please <laughs> break it down for me. Here's the thing. Not understanding it is exactly the point. So chaos magic. <laughs> Chaos magic is a fairly, uh, you know, it, it, when it comes to like magical traditions, it's, it's a newer tradition. It really it started in the 70s, grew really big in the 80s. Um, it is a tradition that started off really intending to be a bit of a farce. It wasn't meant to be serious, really. Um, the, uh, the first little group of people that were doing it were kind of doing it to almost sort of like troll another group of very overly serious magicians. And it just turned out that what they were doing that they thought was just kind of goofy actually worked for them because mm. they believed in what they were doing and they were able to focus that, you know, intention. And so they were able to make things that to most other occult practitioners just looked like, you know, a bunch of uneducated buffoons, like, you know, goofing <laughs> around when in reality they were working some serious magic. So, so chaos magic today, as we kind of look at it is, it's a tradition without a tradition. One of the biggest aspects of chaos magic is to avoid all dogma. So um, there mm. is no you know, set system. Every chaos practitioner does things a little differently. Um, it, and then we also kind of have this like discussion a lot about the fact that you can even say that. Doesn't that then make chaos magic a little bit like now it's getting into a tradition? Like it's kind of funny. Like we some of us, we get to get, if we get together, if you end up, you know, talking to another chaos, which, oh, you do chaos magic too. Great. Okay. Well, now that we're both talking about the same thing, we're already screwing up our own practice. So like, 
So the, but the idea of it is that you're working with really more the power of belief. And this is the thing that really got me drawn to chaos magic. Chaos magic does not have any set tradition. So there's no set practices or gods or anything like that. The idea is that you're working with belief as your main tool. What you believe in, whatever, whether it's a specific magical practice that comes from another tradition, whether it's a specific uh, god, goddess, spirit, whatever, if, if you really believe in that thing and you believe that that is what is going to work for you to, to achieve your goal at that time, then you work with it. But tomorrow, it may be totally different and you may have something else that you, that you feel is going to work better. So you might work with that for something else. So, um, you know, like for me, I do a lot, like I said, I do a lot of work with mantras. But I don't do a lot of other stuff that might fall into like Hinduism or, you know, with Buddhism, I see Buddhism more as a philosophy and I do consider myself philosophically very Buddhist. Um, but I don't do a lot of other stuff that might follow around the work of mantras. So I might do a job of meditation and do mala work one day or for 40 days if I'm doing it right and then not do it again for a long time and instead do more, um, you know, regular meditation work or something. So it's whatever is going to work for you at the time. But the big thing is being willing to let something go if it's not mm. going to work for you. So like in, in other traditions, it's like, oh, well, this doesn't feel like it's going to work, but that's what we do as whatever tradition we are. So I have to find a way to work it. And if you don't believe in what you're doing, especially in any kind of magic, if you don't really believe 100% in what you're doing, you might as well not be doing it, you know? Yeah. So that's one of the things about chaos magic that really drew me was the idea of it's not, it's not like, Oh, I'm just going to grab this thing from this tradition that I know nothing about and use it. You have to still know about that tradition, know about those practices, know about those gods and their myths and their energies and what have you before you can go working with them. But once you do, you work with it, but now you don't have to be married to it. You can let it go and work with something else. So. I love it. Thank you so much for explaining it. It's actually so much easier than what I read <laughs> online or what other people told me about. So it's basically an eclectic way of, of using magic. It's, it is, it's funny because that when I first started getting really into chaos magic, that was the thing I was confused about. Like, what's the difference between this and just being an eclectic? And it actually, there is a distinction. The distinction huh. between the two is that in eclectic practice, you still have things that you do as a like tradition like you still it's kind of like you have your own tradition like you always do you know this certain thing at Salon or you always do this certain thing for this particular you know need but if like say one one Salon you have something totally different you want to do in chaos magic you might choose to do that whereas in an eclectic, you know, your own eclectic practice, you might say, you know, but I've always done it this way. I'm just going to keep doing it this way because it, it's worked in the past. It'll work again. Something they have worked in the past, but if you don't, if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't seem like, ah, oh, this is, this is the thing for right now with chaos magic, you let it go and you go find something else. So, so eclectic magic is funny because in a lot of ways it is a tradition, but it's your tradition mm. that you've set up with your beliefs and, and that's, that's cool, but it's not quite the same. If there is a distinction, so, so, it's a little it's so, a weird one, but. In other words, chaos is liminal and ever-changing for the practitioner. Yes. It's as if yes. the practitioner can't, can't really or doesn't want to settle in a specific exactly. belief system and exactly. just keeps changing and being liminal in it. Yes, exactly. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, wow. It's an important distinction to make between eclecticism because if I were to consider myself like what kind of witch I am, I would say I'm an eclectic witch because mm-hmm. I have a set belief systems. I'm a priest to a pagan religion. So uh, I work within the Greek Hellenic gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. So that is my belief system. And even, yeah. if, even though I bring like angels into my practice, it is still a set system. So I would be an eclectic rather than yep. a chaos witch. Exactly. Perfect. Glad to settle that. Okay, let's move on <laughs> to another question that Actually, before we move on to the next question regarding whether we can practice, whether everyone can practice magic or not, I have a question regarding um, chaos magic and, and combining uh, seemingly contrasting religions. In, back in the day when I was um, discovering my spirituality and practicing different kind of stuff and transitioning from Christianity to something more spiritual, I came upon a book called Christian Wicca which claim to combine Christianity, the Trinity, with witchcraft. I'm just curious, as a chaos witch, what is your view on combining the two? Are the two contrasting to be combined, or is it possible? It's, you know, here's my my thought on that. So, first of all, again, if we're taking it from a chaos magic perspective, the idea is the belief. Do you believe that that is okay? Do you believe Hmm. that these two things can work together? Um, I feel like witchcraft is witchcraft as opposed to Wicca, because there's also that confusion. Some people equate them as being the same thing. They're not. Wicca Hmm. is a religion. Witchcraft is a practice. There are a lot of religions and, and spiritual practices that involve witchcraft or allow witchcraft to come in. Whereas, you know, Wicca, it's a religion. It's a set religion. So for someone who's Christian, there are, there are a lot of Christian witches, Jewish witches, witches. There's just, you know, a lot. I, but I feel like that becomes a personal choice because mm. you can certainly argue that Christianity and witchcraft don't mix. Because if you believe, if you're a Bible-believing Christian, then you've got, like, you know, the Bible telling you witchcraft is wrong. Yet at the same time, it's also in there saying, hey, we're going to go now uh, call up some spirits and ask for their advice. So the Bible itself, you know, those people were a little confused. But I think it's a matter of it's a matter of choice. It's a matter of personal preference. And I think if you feel it, it works for you, great. If not, then don't do it. But, you know. Got it. They're different. Makes sense. You know. yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> they, are, they are. Yeah, but it makes sense if the person just... Um, finds commonalities. Okay, so is 
everybody a witch? Can everybody be a witch? Can everybody practice witchcraft or are we born into it? Anyone can become a witch, but it's not easy. Um, anyone can practice magic, but it's not easy. Um, in order to really practice magic and be effective with it, you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to take responsibility for your past, present, and future. You have to be willing to sacrifice things to get what you want. Um, you know, it's not something that does the work for you. It helps you to do what you need to do in your own life. Because again, it's not like the movies. It's not like you're just going to cast a spell and everything's just going to happen for you. Um, you still have to go out and do the, the, the real world work. You know, you still have to go actually walk that path. So anyone can do it. Again, belief is the key. If you believe that you can do this and if you believe in the practices and, and everything, then you're already like a step ahead of someone else. So like that's good, but it does take time and it takes practice and it takes study and you know, because in order to believe something, you have to understand it, you know? So in order to really believe in your magic, you have to take time to learn about magic and learn about uh, all those practices, which to me is a big thing where you have to uh, get away from just books that have the word witch or witchcraft in the title. You have to go and like read about philosophy and science and, and comparative religion and myths from other, you know, traditions that you might not necessarily be drawn to. And and just kind of, you know, have a general, you know, kind of openness to learning anything and everything and, um, and consistency and like being willing to set aside, you know, when I talk about sacrifice, I'm not talking about like sacrifice a baby. I'm talking about sacrifice your time, your money, your energy, because, you know, you might have a ritual or something that you want to work with that is going to take two, three, four days to mm. work. And that means that maybe every day when you get home from, you know, work, you're spending your evenings doing this magical work. And that may, you may need to sacrifice spending time with friends or family or doing, you know, other things that you would normally be doing in order to, to do that. Um, and also when a sacrifice of, of uh, resources. So like when we do things like use, um, one of something I use a lot in magic is honey, but I don't go and buy like the 99 cent store honey. I go and buy the best stuff that I can get that I can afford at the time because that using, you know, better quality and sacrificing that money and that, that resource is like, it's a sacrifice. It's, it's giving up something of yours to get something in return. So by using something that's going to be a little bit more, you know, inconvenient, let's say, mm. um, and a little less like, you know, oh, I could just go and buy like, you know, a gallon of honey at the dollar store and we'll be good. When, you know, instead you might only be able to get like a little thing for, you know, $10 or something at Whole Foods, but you know that the quality is better, the energy is better. Yeah. So that's kind of a sacrifice. Just how can one go about to start practicing chaos magic if there are no books on chaos magic because it's so there are a lot of books well there are ah. a lot of books on chaos magic which is okay. what's funny and why then we're like well how is this still chaos then but a lot of the books that are on chaos magic that you're gonna find are dev like like you said like oh, i went and go i went and like looked this up on like wikipedia and i'm still confused these books are very confusing but they're kind of meant to be but they're also really um they get you thinking and they can be very funny a lot of chaos magic authors are are very very uh sardonic and they're very funny and witty and you have to be a little bit like 
it's sort of like playing a little like 4D chess and magic. It's just like a little, like everything's very meta and you have to be like not taking everything so seriously. Um, but with chaos magic specifically, I think that the best way for somebody to go about learning it is to first learn about what's called the six principles, which are the, um, like kind of like the, again, it's like now we're, we're turning, putting structure in chaos magic. Um, which is the like the six things that um, you are kind of need to have or need to be able to do in order to practice. So the first one again is avoidance of dogma, and then you have um, personal experience because it's all, everything in chaos magic is about your experience. What someone else tells you or what they've been through does not matter. It's it's your experience that does. Um, and then you have technical excellence. So like I said, having to just because you want to work with. Um, you know, like just because you want to work with Odin doesn't mean you should work with Odin. You need to learn about Odin. And then if you click and, and he, work, you know, it makes sense for you and you get it and you feel a connection, then do it. If not, who else can you work with? So there's, uh, so there's that, like always making sure you're learning about what you're going to work with and not just grabbing it and going. Um, deconditioning, which again is that like letting go, being willing to say, okay, this is not going to work for me now just because it worked before. I need to let this go. And just kind of allowing yourself to separate from your past a bit, even if it was successful, you know? Um, diversity and approach. So again, that idea of always being open to whatever uh, sounds and looks and feels like it's gonna work, even if it doesn't align with, with what you've done in the past. And then gnosis. And gnosis in chaos magic is uh, specifically referring to uh, going into altered states. So working in either uh, inhibitory or excitatory gnosis with your magic. So um, being able to um, go into um, like a death pose and really go into that like completely shut down state. Because in, in chaos magic, um, when you work with gnosis, the focus is then so when you're in your gnosis, you're solely focused on that thing that you're working towards. Nothing else exists. In, in your mind or around you. And that is how you then, um, what is kind of called like lighting the fire for your magic. That is what actually puts it out there. So one of the things that a lot of people either will find if they go looking like, how do I start doing chaos magic? Or, you know, what's my first chaos magic thing I should do? The big thing everyone's gonna find is sigil magic because that's probably the most well-known form of chaos magic that is used in many traditions and when you sit down and really look at chaos magic's approach to sigil magic, all of these principles are involved in some way in working with a sigil. And um, it does require you to be willing to let go of so much in order to create a sigil, uh, you know, fire off a sigil, and then, um, you know, have it actually work for you. Because a huge part of things is like the deconditioning, like forgetting what you just did, like <laughs> forgetting what that sigil that you created even was for. And like, just allowing it to go out into the world and do, uh, do magic for you. And, and, but you have that alignment through the Gnosis work. So um, it's, there are, there are books out there to read. One of the, one book that I, I always kind of recommend because it's short and it's quick and it's, it's a good one um, is, Oven Ready Chaos by Phil Hine. That's a really good quick primer. I think it's less than 100 pages. Um, and it's very entertaining, but also very um, full of like the basics that you need. So that's kind of where I would say to start. Thank you so much for giving us the six pillars. That's so important for me. I mean, 
I mean, it satisfies my masculine energy, like <laughs> wanting to put everything into a box, compartmentalization mm -hmm. and all that. But um, I, I got everything. Gnosis though, although it's a Greek word, I know there's a lot, yep. lot of philosophy behind it. Uh, could you give us a few examples of what that would entail? So if, for instance, when you're working with a sigil and you have now drawn your sigil and now it's time to sort of charge up that sigil and put mm -hmm. it out there. Um, there are a lot of different ways that in sigil magic we, we do that. One of them is um, the one that I prefer is a very, very deep meditative uh, state where you are visually focused on whatever on your sigil so it becomes a you are are kind of in an inhibitory state that's kind of where you're mm. you're kind of shutting everything else down you could put your physically kind of bring yourself into a very uh still state where really the only thing that's even remotely active is your mind mm. and you're focusing on visually uh in like connecting to that sigil where almost you and the sigil become one and when the sigil starts to visually sort of change for you, for some people, it starts to look like it's glowing. For some people, it looks like it's vibrating. Um, mm. That's then when you would kind of let you kind of like in your mind, like push everything out, sort of like you're just like tossing a giant balloon up into the into the yes. universe. And it's just taking that energy with you. And then you kind of ground yourself and bring yourself back. Um, uh, wow. So, so it's like deep energy work, basically, and manipulating yeah. energy and, and, and putting it with your intention into the sigil. Yeah, because like when we, you know, when you talk about like gnosis from, from, you know, the definition of the Greek word and its knowledge, this is the idea of sort of going to your personal knowledge, your personal gnosis and, and uh, connecting with that deep, deep aspect of yourself that has you know, that divine wisdom and that, you know, ability to know, to know everything where time doesn't exist mm. and you know what happened in the past and the future and all that. So we're connecting to that in order to fire off our magic, whatever magic it may be. I love it. Now I used to practice Gnosticism and studied in the past. And one of our practices was astral projection, therefore out of body experiences. Mm -hmm. Does that have anything to do, do is that used in chaos magic you, or is it completely yeah. irrelevant? No. You absolutely can. That would be huh. um, more of an excitatory because you do have to get yourself into a little bit more of a, yeah. I mean, it, it's a weird one because there is inhibit, physically it's inhibitory, but mentally it's very excitatory. You need yeah, to like really is, yeah. get yourself pushed out there. Um, but yeah, you'll find that there are people that do a lot with that um, kind of work. Anything that has you kind of separate from the body a bit um, is kind of popular um, in the meditative work just because it's, yeah, you know, yeah. it is a way to just sort of like put yourself out there and, um, you know, experience things on a different, different level, I guess you could say. Wow. I'm loving chaos magic right now. Okay. Let's move on. I kept my final question and my most intriguing question for the, for the end. Um, what is dark magic and is there, um, a boundary? What, where is the boundary between white and dark magic is there a gray area there is absolutely a gray area and i live in the gray area <laughs> and i think a lot of i think a lot of practitioners of, of any kind of witchcraft that have been practicing for a long time find themselves mostly in the gray area because it's not it's magic is really hard to make a binary choice between good and bad like there it just doesn't exist the world isn't like that magic isn't like that so there are going to be times where something that, that someone else might say is like dark or black magic. You might be like, no, this is exactly 
the thing I need right now to achieve something uh, important. And one of those things is protection. Um, a lot of times magic that someone else or that traditionally is seen as being dark or negative or whatever is exactly what you need for protection against um, someone who would do you or a loved one harm. Mm. And I feel like when you don't pull out all the stops to protect yourself or those you love, then you're kind of like, what's the point of having your skills if you can't use it for that? Um, and that's another, that's another reason why, like, for me, like working with chaos magic, feeling completely open to bending my own morals when I need to, which I don't do often, but I have in the past, I have definitely worked uh, very heavy binding magic on, um, on people who have been uh, a harm, a harmful source of things for me um, in one yeah. way or another. And, um, you know, I think that the idea of, well, you know, anything that's meant to bring good to someone is, is, is positive. That's white magic. No, because, you know, you don't know unless you've specifically asked. You don't know that that person wants the thing that you want for them. So you may be, you know, you may want your, uh, you know, your spinster cousin to finally, you know, meet someone and get married. And so now you're like, I'm going to go do a spell for her so she'll meet someone. And, and then, you know, she meets someone and she's miserable because she's like, I, I really just wanted to focus on my career. And you're like, but don't you want to get married and have kids? You're 40. No, I don't. I want to focus on my career. Now I got this guy I can't get rid of. Get him out of here. Like, you know, so we, you know, we might come from, from what we think is a good place. But a lot of times when we do that, we're not really thinking about the other person. We're thinking about ourselves and wanting to, wanting that person to have the life that we think they should have because it's the life either we have and we love or we wish we could have. And so we, you know, we want to see it manifest somewhere if we can't make it happen for ourselves. It's the same reason why I have very similar take on healing magic, where I feel, you know, doing healing for somebody without them knowing is really kind of rude. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. because mm. um, you know, illness, injury, all those things are part of the teachers in our life. And just because we might not want to see somebody go through that pain doesn't mean that they shouldn't go through it and doesn't mean that it's not a positive in the end. And, um, you know, especially like working, like, I don't want my grandmother to die. So I'm going to do a spell to like, keep her alive. Meanwhile, your grandmother is in the hospital. Like, please just let me go. I can't take this anymore. I'm a hundred. Let me just <laughs> let me go. Like, you know, it's not about wanting your grandmother to, to live a life of whatever. It's you not wanting to face the loss of your grandmother. So that magic, while it may be directed at her, is not about her. It's about you. So my whole thing is if you're going to work a, a spell on anyone, look at why. And if it's about you, maybe you need to go do magic on yourself instead and let that other person live their life. And when it comes to things like protection, I say do what you got to do because to not protect yourself or someone you love and knowing that there's a danger there. I mean, it's like, would you not call the fire department if the house is burning and would you yes. just stay inside? Like, you know, I mean, that's basically, like your life is a burning building. Are you really just going to sit there and let it burn around you because, you know, you don't want to pick up the phone and make a call, you know? So that's just, you know, that's my take on it anyway. I love your perspective of this in the, in the sense that it's not all black and white. It's not a binary system. There are so many shades of gray in between. And my perspective on... Um, especially on projection, of course, as part of my work, I do a lot of 
psychic shielding, advanced psychic shielding, removing daggers, cutting cords, and mm -hmm. it's such an important aspect of what I teach and my practice. And yet there are two, in my experience, there are two types of opinions on this topic. One spiritual opinion is that, yes, it's very important to protect yourself and shield and do all the, uh, the magic work required to ensure you're protected. But at the, on the other end of the scale, there are the people, the spiritual teachers that teach that when you don't believe in protection, when you see oneness and when you're all connected with everybody, then you can't get affected by any negative energy because your belief is that we're all one and therefore one cannot attack one. Where do you stand on this? I don't, I don't go with that we're all one thing because that doesn't, to me, that's just not if we're all one, then I feel that everyone should be having very similar experiences in their life and everyone that's just, so to me, that, that just doesn't even make sense. I get, it's a nice little kumbaya way to approach life, but I think it's also unrealistic. Um, you know, if, if that were true, then we would have a really big issue with like, well, then are we all like living in the gutter or are we all living this like wonderful high life of everything being great? Because there are people on both of those ends of the spectrum and in between. So um, I feel like, you know, we are all, um, we are all connected, but we're not all one. I believe we're all connected through collective consciousness and, and all of that, but we're not all uh, energetically one. And I do think that, um, you know, that's important, uh, important thing to kind of keep in mind when it comes to doing magic and understanding that someone else's negative energy Absolutely. Well, I mean, if you've never experienced someone else's negative energy affecting your energy and your mood, then you are a very lucky person because <laughs> no, I don't think that anyone who actually deals with other humans in any capacity um, can say that, you know, they haven't been affected by someone else and what they've brought to the table in some way. So, you know, that's it. I, I get it. It's a nice, you know, new agey way to say, oh, we're all just, you know, just be good to each other. Yeah, that'd be great if we could all just be good to each other. But clearly, ego gets in the way and we can't. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, but yeah, I don't. It's that I don't separation. That. It's that this yeah. separation between the ego and realizing that we are human in a human world. And therefore, it's a world of polarities and finding a way to, to navigate that is essential. Yes. And, when, and if you want to do that, here's my, I love the idea yeah. of we are all spiritual beings having a human experience, but we still have to have that human experience. You can't, you know, you Agreed. can be as spiritual as you want, but you still have to be here for now. So. Jess, thank you so much for joining me today. It was such a pleasure getting to learn about chaos magic. It wasn't as hard as I expected. <laughs> it's actually so much fun and so interesting. I like the, the inclusion of philosophy and so many different concepts. It's exciting, actually. So thank you so much for coming on and Thanks. teaching us all about it. And for everybody watching live, thank you so much uh, for, uh, for, for watching. Thank you so much for catching up the replay or listening the live recording as well on the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. It's available on iTunes, on Spotify, on Stitcher, and tune in by searching the Lit Up Life with her podcast. Be sure to follow Jess here on Instagram, Jess J. Carlson, and me at George Lizos. Jess, where can people find out more about you? Is it Instagram or something else as well? Instagram is always the best place to find me. I'm also on Twitter with the same username and, of course, at my website, JessCarlson.com. You can find my blog and all that fun stuff there.
Perfect. Thank you so much, Jess. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at George Lizos to grab your free Lightworker survival guide and catch the next live episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.